This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. We welcome you to bite into it where we talk technology, computing, the internet, uh, occasionally um, big announcements like Apple as well. Uh, tonight in the studio, uh, we have Tyler Smythe. Tyler, how are you? I'm going great, Warren. Ready for an exciting show. Yeah? yeah. Have you had a, a good week in technology? I think I have. I think I have. I've been playing too many video games. Unfortunately, we don't have much on the news bracket about them, so we'll see how we go. Big announcement first up, new announcement from Apple. Lots of stuff going on. Uh, I'll be on the show as well, Warren Davies. Oh. Um, I'm very excited about, um, well, excited for Apple um, uh, fanboys, fangirls um, around the world. Um, they did have their uh, big announcement about 15 hours back of uh, the latest round of devices. Uh, Probably the biggest news is the phones, which we'll um, come to. Um, they've got two phones. Two phones, there. yes. Yeah. Um, so the iPhone X, uh, the main one that everyone's excited about. iPhone 10, they're calling it. iPhone X is what it's written like, which is how I like to say it. So I'm going to be immediately uh, breaking away from it. X is a bit sexier. It I is, mean. it is. Yeah. Um, and that suits Apple, I think. Um, a bunch of new features introduced with the uh, iPhone 10. Um no home button is probably the biggest one for most Apple users. Um, yeah. They have traded that off with for a swipe up entry um, combined with either fingerprint or facial recognition technology, um, which Samsung tried with their S8, I believe, last year. So apparently this is... Um, a whole lot more intense. So the camera on the front will project 30,000 pixels onto your face and use it to map out um, essentially a model of your face which is stored and uh, calculated by the internal AI and will recognise you each time you look at your phone, which is pretty exciting. Um, and... There's, uh, been a, there's been a bit of um, uh, pushback on that. There, sure, uh, there sure has, yeah. Privacy um, mm. uh, experts and so forth. But... Uh, one of the obvious ones is you don't know when you're locking and unlocking your phone in the dark. Like, mm. how, how does it work? Um, yeah. People are asking for covers um, for it that just kind of like cover the whole Turn thing. Turn that off, yeah. Mm. I'm sure there's an option in the settings to uh, uh, go around the there. Way. Yeah, yeah, that would be easier. Um, they have uh, also... Um, so the entire front of the phone is a screen. Uh, it curves around the size, which mm. is a custom, custom uh, screen. Yep. Um, what else have they, have they got so on the new phone? To actually access Siri as well, there's a, a button on the side. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, yeah, a few tweaks. Um, it's a, a super screen, apparently. Um, mm -hmm. The specs they've put out for it, it's... Um, Insane, uh, yeah. Um, ...been borrowed from the most recent round of um, iPads. Um, so, yeah, a couple, mm. of, couple of new phones. There is also an iPhone 8 uh, that mm. has come out, um, and iPhone 8 Plus. Uh, so if you're just looking for the next in the line, the logical line of, of phones, um, it's quite strong. Um, it has... The thing that um, interests me is the chip um, driving it, the uh, A11 Bionic processor. It's between 25% and 70% faster um, than the chip in last mm. year's phones, which is ridiculous. Like, if you look at Moore's Law, it's just off the chain as yeah. to how, how fast these things are getting. And what were they doing last year that they couldn't actually bring 70% performance improvement? It's, it's, it's crazy seeing how fast everything is advancing in the phone land. Mm. Um, they also have a brand new campus that Apple is uh, ha has moved to, calling it the Spaceship. Yeah. Well, it's been known as the spaceship. It's called, um, I think it's called Apple Farm. Um, Apple Farm, yeah. That they've called it. And uh, it's in some uh, reclaimed, uh, reclaimed office 
land in um, uh, in California. Um, they've planted over nine thousand trees. If you look at the um, campus from space, uh, from not from space, just from from the sky, yeah. it kind of still looks a little bit barren. But apparently, as you actually come up to it, uh, it looks like it's been well situated, and um, there's already a lot of foliage down there and so forth. Mm. They haven't actually moved to Apple Farm yet. They're still at the um, the old office, um, but they did do the um, this round of product announcements from the new Steve Jobs Theatre. If you look it up, it is actually a great piece of design. It looks like uh, you're inside uh, an iPhone, let's be honest. There's a a lot of glass. There's probably a few cracks up the back from dropping it on the train or something like that. Very very aesthetically uh, fitting for for Apple, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tim Cook did say it was his greatest honour to be um, announcing these new products from the Steve Jobs Theatre. But, um, yeah, um, it is a good-looking office. We're trying to figure out how you would actually get around the place. Mm. Um, They need some kind of like monorail on the roof because it is – imagine a a giant um, discus, sort of hollow discus, Mm. um, or like an ancient kind of – uh, ancient discus. A little bit like the uh, ISS, the space station. Yeah. Yeah, it's in a big circle. So uh, that'd be cool. It does. Um, next what, up, yep. what else are they What else have they released? There's some other stuff that's come out. Uh, other stuff? Um, do you have, do you use Apple TV? I do not, no. Okay. I'm, I'm a uh, Chromecast guy, unfortunately. Chromecast. Yeah. Better in some ways. Um, mm. So they've been working on uh, sharpening up the uh, resolution um, for streaming. Um, they've also made it uh, a fair bit faster and they're actually demonstrating uh, eight people gaming through it um, uh, at the one time. They've actually, one of the interesting things is they are moving, um, it's rumored into content development and they've been talking to uh, TV networks and also to Netflix to actually get sharper resolution content out, mm. of, uh, out of them. So. There's no point doing all these great services if uh, if you're not actually able to show uh, amazing content as well. Mm, exactly. Uh, and the Apple Watch, have you have you had a go go with these yet? Um, I have had a play with them. I've yep. yet to uh, being able to afford one, mm. but they seem like they would make your life a whole lot easier. What are some of the new features yeah. with the new Apple Watch? Well, probably the biggest deal is you can uh, you'll now be able to make phone calls on them. So the kind of Dick Tracy era um, has arrived. Mm, um, excellent, talking into your wrist. Talking, talking into your wrist um, and not hopefully not looking like a crazy person. Um, but uh, the Series 3 um, will have um, cellular built in. Um, they do have partners in Australia. Um, most of the, or three of the major carriers uh, will be supporting it. Um, there is actually a music player um, in the device as well, um, which is pretty handy. Mm-hmm. Battery life is a fair bit longer. Um, That's definitely needed for yeah. uh, all Apple devices. So that'll be that's an exciting thing to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. Interestingly, the uh, the kind of footnote uh, for the day was their um, their share price did actually fall um, on these um, new announcements. Mm. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. I, I did see in the in the keynote uh, the uh, facial recognition unlock didn't work first try. So that's no. that's that's uh, that was always fun. A little bit embarrassing. Mm. Uh, You've been following driverless car news. I, uh, I have. What's it's been um, going on there? Uh, so there's been a push to the federal government to uh, further endorse and uh, push for driverless cars in Australia to mainly to reduce the road toll because um, studies suggest that if uh, we go solely to driverless cars, um, the 90% of car accidents in Australia, um, which are caused by human error, is 90%. So we could reduce the road toll potentially up to that much, which is a very exciting idea. Um, but there was a parliamentary report done. Um, that standing, standing Committee on Industry, Innovation, Science and Resources mm-hmm. um, have been looking at it. Yeah. So a big, uh, a big remit there. Mm. Sorry. Um, and uh, they, they've just raised a whole lot of questions that sort of need to be addressed before we can go forward. Um, 
so what the biggest thing is uh, who is at fault in the event of a driverless car accident. Um, Volvo uh, has come out and said that they will take the blame for any uh, car accidents done in their driverless cars um, and encourages all other car manufacturers, car manufacturers to do the same. Um, and that would obviously be helpful to get, to get mm. this through. Um, the other thing to consider is the jobs uh, for drivers and um, like truckies, yeah. Uber drivers and all that sort of stuff that will be lost um, in the economy. Mm. Um, and the trade-off obviously would be the lower road toll. Um, and hacking was another thing that uh, people were concerned about. And um, so how, what would the, be the response to uh, broken, um, sorry. Uh, hacked vehicles. Hacked vehicles is an easier way to say it. Um, and... So yes. they've, got lot, they've got a lot to talk about, really. They do have a lot to talk about and a lot of questions to answer. Um, and data ownership was the uh, was the other thing that um, was a big was a big um, concern for people, uh, and how that who owns the data, where is the information of where everyone is going, mm. and uh, their location at any point, um, and who is in control of that data? Is it in the driver's responsibility, or is it the uh, car manufacturer? Is it the government? Mm. And uh, where um, is that all going to go with the institution of these new driverless cars? Mm. I feel mm. like there's uh, a good kind of uh, two or three years worth of uh, yeah, conversations to be definitely, had there. Yeah. But at least they're addressing it um, now. Uh, I do like the idea that they're saying um, those few hundred people a year um, being killed and uh, thousands of serious injuries are worth the cost to infrastructure, mm -hmm. um, investment in policy and, um, and figuring this out. Um, better to get started sooner rather than later. Of course, yeah. I think. Um, Things that were probably uh, a little bit more alarming in the short term, um, there was some interesting stuff coming out. Um, obviously, we've got some uh, voting uh, to be done um, in the near future. Um, there's a lot of talk about the uh, upcoming um, uh, plebiscite. But mm -hmm. um, in Germany, uh, it's actually been revealed that their election software is dangerously hackable. Um, in a, a roundup of um, hacks from around the world um, that we're looking at this week, they found that there's a, um, a critical bug, or actually a lot of flaws um, uh, in the software. Um, they both, the hacking group looked at both the US and French elections and then um, looked onto the, um, the German software. Um, and the Chaos Computer Club, which is a great name, which <laughs> is a, a German collective of hackers and security researchers, uh, exposed the results of their um, audit of the country's voting infrastructure. Um, they, there's a program called uh, PC Wild, which is used for recording, counting, displaying and analysing votes in German elections uh, from local level to nation, national government. Um, they found they could actually corrupt the updates from the server controlling that software to retabulate votes at will which seems crazy, like that's the worst kind mm. of breach. Um, so, yeah, there, this software is set to be used in the uh, October parliamentary election uh, in Germany. So uh, the CCC, or Chaos Computer Club, I'll have to get that T-shirt. <laughs> that's, that's a great T-shirt idea, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, says that Vote It, the company behind the software, um, has privately fixed some of the flaws, but um, won't publicly acknowledge that um, they've got some huge problems. Mm. So uh, it would be very interesting to see what happens in, uh, in Germany um, elections not too far away. Hmm. You found you found some other explosive stuff though, haven't oh, you? Explosive stuff is always on my agenda. Uh, obviously, there was the concern. Uh, was it last year, the year before, with mm -hmm. 
S7 um, and the exploding lithium-ion yeah. batteries in those. Yes. Um, a, a team of researchers from the University of Maryland and the US Army Research Laboratory have found a way around it. Uh, they've developed a battery that contains a water-based salt solution instead of a flammable liquid, oh. which sounds good um, uh, yeah. just on the surface there. Um, the people who know how lithium-ion batteries work will obviously uh, say, oh, lithium reacts with water, creates a big explosion. Surely that uh, would be a problem as well. But uh, they have dis found out that using a highly salty solution um, instead of the water as itself or um, a flammable liquid, they can create um, a very slow reaction with, with lithium. And they've also developed a new shield for the lithium electrode to actually be able to completely nullify any possible um, effects or reactions that people don't want. Obviously, you want a reaction for it to work, yeah. but a none not a dangerous one of course yeah, yeah. it's a it's a big deal i mean so many it things is. run on this and um it was a disaster for, for samsung it, it, that indeed yeah. that recall uh, another um, set of devices that are uh, under scrutiny are drones. Um, a coalition senator, uh, Queensland senator, in fact, Barry O'Sullivan, um, is advocating for a recall on all drones operating without a commercial licence um, until regulations prevent uh, further media incidents uh, are brought in. Um, Baza was uh, sitting on a committee uh, having a look at this, and um, he is very safety conscious. Um, he used the analogy that you know, if there's a, a rag doll at a department store where a button can come off, they recall all of those, mm. and that should definitely apply here where we're putting um, effectively small vehicles up in uh, commercial airspace and passenger airspace. Of course, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he said if he were king for a day, every drone in this nation uh, other than ones that are commercially licensed um, uh, would be restricted. Um, the committee heard that there are uh, around 180 near misses between drones and other aircraft um, last wow. year, which is alarming. Um I'd be interested to know how many of those were actually involved in um, large passenger aircraft, if at all. Um, I don't mm. know if you know this, but there is a, a lot, a, a big problem with um, uh, laser pointers um, and pilots taking off. Um, people do actually sit really um, outside, yeah, at, at the end of runways. So oh. the idea that you could actually get a drone up there as well um, is pretty alarming. When just you think to about just it. to mess with the other aircraft. Wow, absolutely. So I don't know. I, I think it's probably a little bit of overkill. I'm kind of in favour of controlled use. So if it's mm -hmm. things like there's heaps of great examples. Of of, of drone usage from like planting trees to being used in like stock management mm -hmm. and kind of um, bushfire spotting and, and so forth. So amateur filmmakers. Amateur filmmakers. Uh, yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. So um, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Definitely. Um, hey, uh, one thing you might be doing when you're not uh, listening to Bite Into It and listening to old episodes of Bite Into It and then looking for content online about Bite Into It is listening to podcasts, which are a really close second, I find. Um it's gone crazy, uh, and to recognise that, um, uh, some of the smart folks from around Melbourne um, in podcasting have put together the Earbuds Network, um, which is, um, I guess, the newest venture for um, media creatures. Uh, we're now joined in studio by uh, Matt of Earbuds and also Carly Godden uh, from uh, one of the people behind the Dead and Buried podcast. Um, Matt, Carly, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us on the show. Lovely to be in. Uh, so... Matt, firstly, what was what's your story into podcasting? How did you kind of decide this was the, the best type of media to be doing and the most fun for you? Well, I came into it through being a podcast nerd. Um, I just really like lying by myself at night with headphones on, listening to, you know, people from around the world talking about, uh, you know, different topics. And then uh, at Media Creatures, you know, we're a sort of like a video production studio or traditionally have been. And we just had the idea... Um, as you say, podcasting's going crazy. And we thought there's so much like local talent around here. 
Um, but I still feel like a lot of Australian listeners are listening to podcasts from overseas. You know, your, your Serial or your, your S-Town or that podcast about Richard Simmons going missing. Um, so I guess the thought was to sort of band together with um, some local producers of quality shows like Carly and Lee from Dead and Buried mm-hmm. uh, and sort of band together and take a strength in numbers approach, not only to, to growing audiences, but also, you know, finding ways to... I guess, monetize podcasts and uh, advance podcasting as a medium. Because I think you might also say that Australian podcasting is maybe a little bit behind where it is in America. And so we sort of saw the way things were going and thought um, we'd get involved and that's how Earbuds was born. Have uh, local podcasters kind of got behind the idea and thought, this is great, like, uh, you know, by myself, I can kind of fight it out, but it's great to have the help of others and... I mean, I hope so. Um, Carly, you're, you're behind us. <laughs> yeah, definitely, because it can be quite a isolating process, I would say. I mean, I'm a bit lucky in the fact that I've got Lee Hooper, who's my co-host and co-creator, and uh, a whole team behind us who were involved to make the first season. But, you know, other than that, you're kind of out there in the wilderness and it's it's not like you know, the local music scene where you can go to a venue and you can meet people mm. you kind of feel like is anyone else out there so it's just great to have you know someone there to to go to and um to pitch ideas to and you know feel like you're at home yeah yeah is there much of a community is there a chance to kind of get together and talk about sort of what you're doing and sort of um you know steal ideas or build on the strengths of <laughs> each other or, or what have you yeah we're planning on uh, upping that even more they're running some more podcast events uh, i know a few individual podcasts have done um like live podcasts in melbourne and things like that but we really want to start doing panels and group events with our podcasts as well so that i guess gives a real uh, i guess bricks and mortar way to you know interact with with other podcasters as well yeah, I, f- I find like it's often a theme for events and for um, uh, all kinds of technology-related disciplines that we don't make the effort to get together enough mm. compared to other industries. So, you know, maybe it's just an, uh, an over-representation of, you know, people who are sort of deep in their screens or deep in their craft and yeah. they kind of just don't get together. But um, I like that idea. W- what made you um, form earbuds? What made you think this is something that we need to do? Like it's not just enough to make great podcasts. Uh, I guess the thought was, you know, something like um, Dead and Buried, which I think is such a like awesome show and it's a great take on underground history and true crime stuff, mm. which uh, I thought, you know, a lot of local listeners listen to Serial or something like that. Um, and, you know, we have this awesome Melbourne-based show right here about, about Melbourne stuff. Mm. So after we had that initial kernel of an idea of finding all these great shows about all these different topics... Um, and, and seeing how great they were. And I guess we just wanted to um, mutually benefit all of us. I guess a rising tide lifts all ships. Mm. And it's just also the way the industry, the podcast industry is going. Um, you know, there's a big conference that ABC put on uh, Ozpod um, last week in, in Sydney. Um, and, you know, we found advertisers and sponsors and, you know, distributors really interested and and, and wanting to get involved and like i said if you look over at the us which uh, not to be too culturally cringy but there may be a year or two (laughs) ahead of us um (laughs) with with the podcast industry there's a lot of like big advertisers involved and you know a lot of i guess similar networks to us that have started up and are a couple of years down the track and are being really successful Mm. um and we thought you know we've got all this talent here let's let's do it here Exactly. And I think this is the thing, uh, you know, it's the longevity. How can you sustain podcasting? Um, Dead and Buried's been very fortunate. We've had some arts grants, but we can't rely on those forever. So Mm. it's about building in that, yeah, long-term sustainability. 
for the local industry. Yeah, um, speaking of uh, Arts Grants and Ozpod, um, there was a $1 million podcasting uh, program that was announced at Ozpod. What have you thought, thought about that? I thought I'd like a million dollars. Yeah, we were rubbing our hands together a bit, like, how can we get some yeah, of this? It's, uh, trying to get yourself in there. Yeah, definitely. I think they're announcing some more details for it still to come. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, the ABC seems to be really behind it. They've even recently launched all these really cool podcasts. They've got one about, like, wrestling, where they, they speak to, like, Australian wrestlers and talk about, you know, guys in spandex <laughs> beating each other up. Um, and yeah, they're getting a lot of new talent in, a lot, a lot of stuff in. They're really putting a lot of resources behind it. Um, and it's, it's not just the ABC. We were just talking outside all the, the mm-hmm. big commercial networks as well, uh, venturing into podcasting, you know, Nova or Southern Cross Stereo, or, you know, Australian Radio Network as well. Yeah. So it's clearly, it's a sector that's growing. That's excellent. Yeah. I think they're probably uh, identify. Well, there's a few things for them. They're, it's a great kind of um, uh, birthing ground for for new talent. So they realise they're nurturing the kind of future broadcasters and sort of traditional media stars of of the future, um, assuming that that doesn't sort of change too much. Um, but they're also suggesting that um, they have had success with podcasting their regular content, and they're recognising that it's a good way to get into um, the ears of people that they can't otherwise get into through radio. Um, Somebody did actually say to me tonight, how can I listen to your show? And I'm like, oh, you're right. How can you do that? (laughs) Oh, wait, we've got a radio out the back. You you, you can have a listen to it on the radio. (laughs) But um, yeah, it it is... It's just what people do these days, isn't it? Like if you if you if you've got a couple of hours to, to kill, you just chuck on a podcast. A friend bought a car in Canberra recently, and he's like, "Oh, it's great! I just got to catch up on all those podcasts." <laughs> so I, all of a sudden, going to Canberra to get a car wasn't such a bad idea. I know I got a lot more into doing my chores when I realised I could just I could wash the dishes while the exactly. podcast was on in the background. Mm. My house is spotless; all the dishes are clean. I've done all my laundry. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> So um, how do you see the kind of, if, if you think that other countries are sort of a little bit more advanced, how do you see the, the future of um, sort of Melbourne and Victorian podcasting or even, you know, uh, nationally to be generous developing over the next year or two? What, what are the things that need to happen for us to, to catch up and... Ooh, well, I'm not a Nostradamus, um, so I don't know if these mm. things will come true. But the way I see it, um, podcasting is underrated as uh, as a medium for sponsors or advertisers or mm. partners yeah. um, because, you know, compared to something like radio or TV where the ads are sort of background noise, if you uh, can, you know, place an ad or a sponsorship mm. on a podcast, people feel such an intimate connection to it um, and they, um, you know, they, they hear it and they can recall it um, that... I think we're going to see a lot uh, of bigger companies and recognisable brands mm. sort of, uh, you know, moving into the space and looking to either sponsor existing shows or create new shows. And also taking off my corporate hat for a second, um, I think the the growing visibility visibility of podcasting, more audiences and more money in the industry means, you know, people like Carly, Dead and Buried, mm-hmm. can make better shows because there's more time and money and a bigger audience. And it's sort of a snowballing uh, effect. Yeah. Do I, do I recall correctly in uh, maybe the startup podcast, he was talking about, do I take advertising and how do I do it? And then he started doing the advertising in that episode of the podcast as well. <laughs> like he did an episode wow. about taking advertising on his podcast, mm. which was weird. And he like went down to, I may be remembering this wrong, but like someone wanted to place an ad. He's like, I have to go down and meet this person to see if they're any good and like go <laughs> check them out. And he did like an interview with them. And he like overproduced this ad. Like <laughs> he spent like a week doing the ad, yeah. which was crazy. Um do you think do you think Melbourne is set up for podcasting? Is it like because of the weather? Like we spend a lot of time inside, <laughs> you know. Well, I'd, what has your experience with that been, Carly? 
I think because it's a cultural city, it's definitely set up for podcasting. And I also think there's a lot of undiscovered stories. Uh, people often don't think uh, that, you know, that things have happened mm. in their backyard, um, but they, they want to hear about it. I mean, that was one of the real selling points we found with Dead and Buried is that people could uh, identify, you know, we talk about venues or you know, places they know, and they could connect that with a story and a history that they'd never heard about mm. before. With Dead and Buried, was it a process of you're just really interested in sort of um, macabre gory details and, and, and history? Like I am too. I don't say that with cutting <laughs> you know that. Um, and you just thought, we'll go and find our audience? Or did you realise there was an audience for that and you thought, hey, that's kind of cool. I'd, I'd like to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, we thought there would possibly be an audience. We didn't necessarily expect the kind of um, uptake that we have mm. had. Mm. Uh, but you know, it was a similar story. We you know, we heard podcasts being made out there on kind of similar mm. topics and we you know, that are US-based and we just thought, well, why don't we make one? And I, I work at the State Archives in Victoria and was just coming across all these you know great stories. I just thought this this needs to be put into a different format, a different media, portable mm. media, so you know people can access it better. Is that something you can actually publish? Did you have to go through any approvals to kind of For the re repurpose the stories that you were coming across? Or um, Well, I actually at, used to do the copyright at the archives, so oh. <laughs> it was me who's doing the Good approvals. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, not really. I mean, we, we tried to ensure that uh, we maintained integrity with all the stories mm -hmm. uh, and that if anyone had kind of written a book about it or something, we would approach them first and invite them to, to talk about it. Mm. So... Yeah, so I think, you know, we, we want to make sure that, um, yeah, that there's that kind of collaboration. Mm. And what are some of the recent um, episodes for um, Dead and Buried? What well, have you we're been just, talking about? Yeah, we're just starting, we're in production of our second season. So mm. my co-host Lee Hooper said, don't give too much away, don't mm. give too much <laughs> away. Uh, but uh, I can tell you that um, there's two unsolved mur murders, rather. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them's quite famous, one of them's less known okay. so we're going into murder territory again because it's you know one of our favorites <laughs> <laughs> okay have you met, have you met many fans of the show like is that strangely yes so i was going for a house interview once mm. and i met someone they said oh you're the host of dead and buried <laughs> they so, recognize your voice yeah they yeah. well someone told them about it ah. um and they were already a fan um so yeah so i have strangely yeah encountered people who had listened to the show and knew kind of knew of me before they met me which was a I don't know, a strange experience. If yeah. we have our way, you're going to be getting mobbed on the street. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in Melbourne is going to know your name. Uh, A-list celebrities. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Matt, so what are some of the other podcasts that you've got on board? Oh, I actually wrote down every single one. We've wow. got about, uh, about 13 at the moment. Um, so it's, it's a real mix. Um, to, to name just a few, we've got one called Bunta Vista Socialist Club, mm -hmm. which is this really sort of irreverent like politics podcast. They did an episode recently talking about the politics of Crash Bandicoot <laughs> and its relation to Australian identity, which was really funny and brought back a lot, of, a lot of memories. Someone's me. PhD that didn't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, look, it's a great episode if you're into Crash Bandicoot or, or not. Uh, and we've got some other great shows like um, there's one called Hunting Seasons, which um, is Broden and Damask, and they will just binge on a Netflix show uh, and every single week like just talk about the series in depth. So I don't know if you watched the latest Twin Peaks season and you didn't really know what they were going on about at any point. You want to listen to a two-hour <laughs> podcast of people working it out live on air. Uh, that, that's hunting seasons for you. Uh, and we've got a couple of footy podcasts as well, um, like the D's podcast, which is a really popular show where two sort of tragic fans of the Melbourne Football Club 
um, over the past few years have been having a lot of very depressing conversations about their team. And unfortunately, they had to end their season early this year um, when uh, they got knocked out of the finals. Um, so they had a very sort of sad episode then. But we've got like live music shows. We've got, um, you know, shows where people drink beer and talk about it. Um, you know, it's, it's very <laughs> Melbourne, but it's, Melbourne's a very broad umbrella that is constantly getting rained on every single day. That's excellent. So if people are interested in earbuds, how do they pursue this? Well, I'll tell you. Um, we've got a website which you can go to, which is uh, earbudsnetwork.com, um, which we're actually sort of redesigning at the moment because immediately after launching all our shows, we signed a couple of new shows. So we have to put some new art up there. Um, but we're also on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash earbuds network. Uh, and we've got a Twitter as well, which is at earbuds network on Twitter. Um, I'm sure anyone out there who's technically savvy can mm. Google us and find, find out you. more. Are you, are you open to being pitched at? God, please, yes. <laughs> earbuds at mediacreatures.com. If you don't pitch us, we'll be pitching at you soon. So, um, you know, get it happen, get it happening quicker, I suppose. Smart home. It's always an interesting topic with this uh, uh, overwhelming amount of smart devices coming out uh, every year. Um, uh, an opinion article I came across on the ABC written by uh, Mark Burden and Heather Douglas from the University of Queensland um, actually calls into question whether we should be doing this or what are the repercussions if we do. Um, the main concern from them is the idea of technology facilitated abuse, which um, anyone who's been involved in domestic abuse cases or ha has knows someone knows that uh, the use of technology uh, can be extremely detrimental to those sort of cases. Yeah, I guess um, it's it's because we're all so connected. It is mm. pretty easy to take advantage of that. But I don't know. I feel like there's heaps of heaps of aspects to should we have all the technology in all the places all the time. Yeah, exactly. And like for people like me, I, I would use it without a second thought. Mm. And But I think it's just the uh, the idea of trying to bring in uh, the conversation and how can we prevent this from happening and uh, that's that. So like the things that could happen is uh, you could be, email and social media could be hacked if you're being stalked, um, your internet use, uh, using GPS devices to um, track your movement and location is a big one, which we, we were mentioning earlier with the driverless cars and, uh, and all that. Um, monitoring text messages and recording conversations, all those sort of um, uh, abusive methods to shut down someone else. And so really all of the, um, uh, all of the input um, areas, so like microphones, mm -hmm. cameras, all of those things can be yeah. used against you. Yeah, easily accessible for anyone with a bit of tech know-how, which is uh, a little bit scary. But um, they, they obviously finish up the, the, the opinion piece with the idea that, oh, how can we use these to benefit uh, the, these victims or uh, the abused, I suppose. And like the idea of uh, a smart TV or something being able to detect uh, abusive language or uh, or overuse of abusive language and, and reporting it or logging it uh, or um, a, a smart door even that can... Um, detect the location of your stalker's phone and automatically lock when it when it gets closer those sort of things so it's a sort of a plus one minus one sort of situation i yeah. kind of it's interesting that you say about um the their main concern is um is being hacked i've just um i had a look at a wide piece here and they're suggesting that um biometrics to um to lock devices to particular people mm. and so forth are, are really interesting there's one where um the rhythm of your own heartbeat um can actually be used to lock and unlock devices oh, really? in the house which is really nice so mm. um i'm the uh, you know i'm not making any judgments about whether it makes it any easier to hack or not but yeah. um i do like the idea that it, it is quite safe and secure do you mm. do you log out of 
I'm just thinking about this before. Do you log out of everything when you leave your devices? Or? Uh, I, I do not, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm, I'm horrible with that. Like everything in my house is logged into yeah. every account imaginable. So for easy access for me, because I, I think, oh, no one's going to be... No one's going to be trying that, but then it's a... Uh, probably not the worst thing that's going to... People aren't going to sort of yeah. break into your house and then post something <laughs> terrible the, on Facebook. The, the, it's the, the last thing on their list. The classic it? Facebook hack, the uh, uh, look at me, I'm dumb, uh, yeah. says Tyler. Yeah. So. <laughs> exactly. But uh, I, I don't know, do you have do you have a, a fairly kind of tech-heavy house or is that something you aspire yeah, to? Yeah, it's, um, it's been building up over and over... Uh, as we go, but uh, uh, you're, you're a sound engineer. Yeah, that's, yeah, what you that's my main thing. So, but the thing is, I, I mostly try and jerry rig a lot of old technology to do the stuff modern technology can do. Mm. So, like, uh, I've got a power amplifier running in my living room, which plays all my records and stuff. But I've got an FM transmitter on it, so I can transmit it to other other radios in the house. And so we ah. have that's a, a sort of a jerry rigged Sonos system. Yeah, <laughs> and so so that's I like cool. I like doing those sort of things. But um. Yeah, I, if I had the money, I would probably go the easy route and uh, and, and go that way. Do you think you'd be um, getting yourself like a, a sort of central home system like the Apple Home or... Yeah, or, or the Echo, Am- whatever yeah, it was, the Amazon, Amazon one. one. Yeah. Does that appeal to you? Um, I, I, I don't know. It's like a, the sci-fi side of me, the sci-fi nerd side of me really likes that idea of being able to just tell your house to do something mm. and it would work. And like that's not far off mm. really in, um, in our reality. Um, so the idea of being able to be woken up and told what you've got on for the day and uh, and tell your some make an appointment for me echo or mm. any of those things would be would be excellent um, and I, I I hope that I think it would actually make a lot of people's lives more easy once it's in a more accessible yeah. um, price range or uh, feasibility for for most people around the world yeah um, in in going back to the domestic violence. Uh, uh, topic: mm. uh, The um, University of Queensland Law School conducted a couple of studies, um, and the, these are obviously pseudonyms; they're not real names. So, mm. Ingrid um, was uh, broke up with her abusive partner and took her daughter, um, and was actually um, never told him his address or phone number. Complete new new life, um, reset everything, and each time she moved, the um, the abusive partner would find her, and she had no idea how until she looked at. Uh, her daughter's doll, which was given to her by her abusive partner, and realised there was a GPS tracking chip inside it. Um, and obviously, like, yeah, it's uh, interesting to see w- what people will go to with mm. technology to be able to achieve their, their goals like that. Mm. Mm. And so. the uh, other one that I had up here was Susan, uh, another pseudonym, of course, um, which was... Um, Sorry, I'll just find it really quickly. That's all right. Yeah. Have you ever have you known anyone who's kind of um, had technology kind of used against them? Uh, the yeah, I, I've yeah. had friends. It hasn't happened to me personally, but mm. uh, yeah, it's, it just seems scary. It's like I suppose with any sort of uh, uh, ill-meaning uh, person coming mm. after you in any way, really, just the mm. um, it's it's a scary thought. But yeah. uh, the the fact that with the technology that's all around you and supposed to be helping you. Um, turning against you, I suppose, um, is, is even scarier. Which we might talk about a little bit later on as well. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, the benefits, yeah. n- not in this particular case, but the benefits of, of technology um, are well and truly worth the um, rare incidences where they do get hacked and, and broken mm. into. So um, I, I don't kind of like that tinfoil hat kind of theory. Of course, of kind yeah. Of, you know, we all have to go and sit in the woods because technology is going to kill us yeah. all. And I totally agree with that, definitely. Yeah. 
So Tyler, you said you have uh, been playing a bit of uh, a few games this week. What, what have As you been always, playing? Um, I, I bought the remake of Final Fantasy Twelve. It's up oh, to cool. fifteen now. I think it's uh, one of those long-running <laughs> franchises that uh, that always amazes me that they're still going. Like uh, I complain about it with films, like oh. Blade Runner, the remake 2048 or whatever. The other, why they need another one? But then Final Fantasy 15 comes out. I'm like, oh, that's you fine. That's totally cool. Um, speaking of video games, um, there are some researchers at the Georgia Institute of Technology who have built an AI system that can study the frames of video games and build a game engine from scratch without even having the access to the source code at all. Does it, how, do they, how do they do that? Um, so... Uh, this, it studies frames of the 2D video. Uh, they did it specifically with Super Mario Brothers, oh, cool. um, which is a classic video game to start with. Um, they trained the AI looking at and studying frames of footage of two distinct types of players making their worth, way through the first level Super Mario Brothers. One adapted the explorer style of play, taking their time, getting every question mark box. Or is that what you call yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other one, a speedrunner style. How fast can I do this? And uh, after watching less than two minutes of gameplay, the system was able to build its own model of the game engine by um, observing the frames and predicting future events right down to the graphics and uh, monster models and uh, AI systems of the actual um, uh, enemy paths in the game. Um, and I think that's amazing. Like It would speed up game development, uh, this tool, by magnitudes. It would be crazy. Like the, the whole thing that's holding um, game development back at the moment is the huge production cost and production mm. time. And to be able to speed that along, I think, would bring video games up to um, par with every other medium in the world. Yeah. I'm wondering if it uh, is able to create uh, enough variations. So if you built, say, theoretically 5% of the game, mm -hmm. it could just extrapolate on and create new worlds and new, yeah. new levels and stuff like that. Or it's just recreating recreating thing yeah uh, you know as much as you want yeah. of the level one of mario brothers <laughs> it's yeah it's, it's is it is it a specific use or is it a uh, is there other uses for it is the uh, real question mm. um speaking of ai and yeah. uh let's let's hear about some sex robots uh, this is we are straying into the um, the sort of murky reaches of journalism here. Um, there was an Australian academic and uh, indeed uh, Elon Musk as well um, hinted that uh, if we are going to be hacking devices, uh, even things such as sex robots and um, um, prosthetics uh, can be hacked. Mm. Um, Cybersecurity lecturer uh, Dr. Nick Patterson uh, of uh, I think it's from um, Deakin um, predicted that we'll soon be able to see robots replacing um, human workers and mimicking humans and doing all of these things, including sort of um, sort of you know intimate functions. But um, they're suggesting um, there was a quote from Elon Musk <laughs> that um, it's probably the biggest risk of World War Three, uh, claiming that North Korea should be low on our list of concerns, <laughs> and we should be looking at these um, latex nasties uh, coming at us. Um, but I mean, in theory, it, it is plausible that if mm. um, if these things can perform these functions, theoretically, they could be. Um, uh, they could do anything. They could, you know, um, um, find your credit card details or, mm -hmm. or open a uh, access a building or something yeah. like that. Identity thief sex, sex robots would be would be an interesting concept for Pretty a film. Pretty much. <laughs> I, did, I did write a few tweets before this show and none of them were quite as good as I wanted them to be. Oh, no. But at least we got to talk about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing that is uh, a little bit um, uh, more interesting um, than those is, um, have you had a chance to get to the synchrotron yet? No, you know? not, not yet, no. No. It is kind of very reminiscent of 
of the uh, Apple Farm. Um, it is uh, uh, obviously a great sort of scientific um, facility um, here in Melbourne. Um, they do actually have uh, an open day. I think it is once once a year, maybe twice. Um, they work on things from human cells to paintings and fossils to advanced electronic devices. So it's a great, um, uh, great facility. If you want to get down uh, Sunday, 8th of October, uh, just in a few weeks' time, uh, all day, 9.30 to 5 p.m., mm-hmm. uh, I think it is free. Uh, you can get in, you can learn how the synchrotron works, um, take a guided tour of it, um, and, uh, yeah, they've got heaps of stuff going on. So I don't know if you've been to ScienceWorks a bunch of times and you want something different, um, synchrotron might be the way to go. Yeah, excellent. He, it is almost the end of uh, Bite Into It uh, this week with uh, Tyler and myself, Warren. Um, thank you very much to Matt and to Carly um, of Earbuds and Dead and Buried, respectively, for coming in tonight. Uh, up next is the International Pop Underground with Anthony Carew. I think you should stick around. Have a good night. Have a good night. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.